Vedic mythology, music, and mantras, I'm Ben Collins. This week, we'll be talking about one of my favorites, Lakshmi, the wife of Vishnu and the divine source of abundance and delight in the universe. This podcast is presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web, where December's Yagya will be a week-long Ashtalakshmi Yagya, which invokes the eight different forms of Lakshmi, and probably just the thing we need during this time of economic uncertainty. It's a curious aspect of the Vedic tradition that the female goddesses are usually seen as being different forms of one singular energy in the universe, which is often called Shakti. The male energy is more often thought of in different, almost disconnected forms like Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu. As an illustration of this, right at the beginning of Lakshmi Sahasranam, the thousand and eight names or mantras of Lakshmi, it says, Om Mahalakshmiye Namaha, I bow down to Mahalakshmi. Om Mahakaliye Namaha, I bow down to her in the form of Kali. Om Mahakanyaye Namaha, I bow down to her in the form of Durga. Om Saraswatiye Namaha, I bow down to her in the form of Saraswati. And a little later in the Sahasranam, she's regarded as Om Maheshwariye Namaha. I bow down to her in the form of Maheshwari, the wife of Shiva, who is also known as Parvati. So she is really seen as Loka Matre, the mother of this Loka or universe, the one who both protects it through her strength and fills it with beauty and auspiciousness. In the Rig Veda, this form of the divine is called Shri, meaning one who is auspicious. The Rig Veda sees her rather differently from how we see Lakshmi now. She was certainly more fierce then. In the Rig Veda, there is a hymn called Sri Suktam, in which there is a section that goes, Ashwapurvam Ratamadhyam Hastinada Prabohanim, Sriyam Devim Upavaye Sri Rama Devir Jusatam. The meaning is, Let me be possessed of Sri, who equals an army full with horses, chariots, and elephants. Let my home be her perpetual abode. So Sri has some serious power and is not just the giver of prosperity. It is in the Atarva Veda, which was compiled around the 3rd century BC, that Lakshmi really seems to appear in the form that we associate with her now. In the literature of the Atarva Veda, she is seen as a real mother goddess, with full breasts often showed oozing with milk. She is the fullness of abundance and prosperity who gradually evolves into Padmavati, the lotus-born goddess emerging from the ocean of milk, whom we now know of as Lakshmi. No doubt most of you are familiar with the story of the churning of the ocean of milk, and it played a big part in the story of Ayapa in our last podcast. Essentially, the devas wanted to be uh, immortal, and so they, in cooperation with the demons, used Mount Mandara as a churn and Vasuki, the divine naga or snake, as a rope. Out of this churning came a number of jewels, of which Lakshmi was one. Interestingly, some sources say that in Valmiki's Ramayana she's not mentioned at all, and that is the version of the story of the Mahabharata, that she is said to appear from the ocean of milk, seated on a lotus. 
After she emerged, Indra wanted her for his wife, and he composed the Lakshmi Ashtakam, uh, which we will hear later on, to impress her. But she was drawn only to Lord Vishnu, and Brahma gave him, uh, gave her to him as his wife. There's another story from the Brahma Vaivarta Purana in which she is described as emerging from Vishnu's right side, while Radha emerges from the left. We've seen this in the case of Shiva and Shakti, and this form is called Ardhanarishvara. But it seems that the same story has been told about Vishnu and Lakshmi, presumably to reinforce the idea that man and woman are co-created and co-equal. There is a slightly different version of the same concept that is told in the Bhagavata Purana, in which the Rishi Brighu is chosen to decide which of the three, Brahma, Vishnu, or Shiva, was the greatest. When he got to Shiva, Brighu found him busy with Parvati and not willing to see him. Brahma was equally rude and dismissed him without speaking at length. And when he gets to Vishnu, he finds him lying asleep on Adisesha, the divine snake. Vishnu is very large, and Brigu was getting impatient, so he jumped up on his chest and stomped on him to wake him up, leaving a mark which is called the Srivatsa. Vishnu woke up and was most apologetic and hoped that Brigu hadn't injured his foot. Impressed with his humility, Brigu blessed him, saying that he would always have Lakshmi with him in his heart in the form of the Srivatsa mark. There's another form of this story in the Padma Purana that is slightly different. Lakshmi was resting in Vishnu's bosom when Brighu stomped on Vishnu. She woke up immediately and was quite irritated at what she thought was an inappropriate and disrespectful act on the part of Brighu. But she became even angrier at Vishnu when he was so apologetic and forgiving. So she stomped out, going down to earth, and settled in the area around Tirupati. Vishnu, after a while, missed her, and so he too went to earth and assumed the form of Venkateshwara, or Balaji, in order to be with her. This is a great story on its own, and will be the subject of a future podcast. But in the end, Lakshmi returned to live again in Vishnu's chest, and he felt a stirring in his heart that was Lakshmi, and her grace unfolding like a lotus. In one great moment, his realization was complete, and the entire universe glowed with her presence, he saw her as the source of all abundance and riches, prosperity, fertility, and beauty. Of course, this is a wonderfully poetic way of demonstrating that Lakshmi is Shakti, the motive force of Vishnu. We think of her as being gentle and poetic and generous, and so she is so often associated with the lotus, a beautiful flower which is emerging from the muck at the bottom of a pond. In fact, she has a number of names that connect her with the lotus, Padma or Kamala, one who dwells in a lotus, Padma Priya, one who likes lotuses, Padma Maladara Devi, one who wears a garland mala of lotuses, Padma Muki, one whose face, Muki, is as beautiful as a lotus, Padmakshi, one whose eyes, Akshi, are as beautiful as a lotus, Padma Hasta, one who holds a lotus in her hand, Hasta. Padma Sundari, one who is as beautiful as a lotus. Now there is also a form of Lakshmi called Gaja Lakshmi, in which she is shown flanked by two elephants who are showering her with water. 
Apparently, in an ancient Hindu tradition, elephants did have wings and flew about in the sky in the form of clouds showering the earth with rain. But they lost their ability of flight when they landed on a tree under which a rishi was meditating and distracted him, and so his curse condemned them to be earthbound from that point onward, but they are considered to be the cousins of rain clouds. Elephants, in addition, are a symbol of royal authority, since in the past they were owned by kings in their army and used as means of transportation. Interestingly, in the past, the king was responsible for assuring adequate rainfall, and the elephants accompanied him to attract their cousins, the rain clouds. Vishnu has two wives, Lakshmi and Bhumi Devi. Bhumi Devi is the earth, but by herself she's not fertile. It takes Lakshmi with her association with moisture and rain to enliven the innate fertility in the earth. But Lakshmi and Vishnu do not always get along. In the southern part of Tamil Nadu, there is the largest Vishnu temple in India called Sri Rangam. Every spring there is a special festival of romantic quarrels, Pranayakala Utsavam. At an earlier time, supposedly, Vishnu would occasionally sneak off and engage in romantic dalliances. But after getting suspicious at scratches on his back, which Vishnu claimed were the result of hunting in the dense forest, Lakshmi decides to follow him and discovers him with another woman. During the festival, the temple priests reenact the events by taking the Utsava, or festival temporary murti, of Vishnu literally taken out of his temple during the day. But in the evening, when they go to bring him back to the temple, the temple doors are locked. So they take Vishnu around to another entrance where they find Lakshmi waiting for him, furious. During the festival, two groups of pundits recite different parts of the argument, one group acting for Lakshmi and one for Vishnu. Vishnu says he was out hunting and that he has brought back flowers for her. Lakshmi says she's not going to fall for that line again and tells him to leave. Onto the scene comes a poet who reasons with her, and she forgives Vishnu as they exchange garlands of flesh, fresh flowers, and all is forgiven. It's a great danger when Lakshmi gets angry. Once the foul-tempered Rishi Durvasa gave a special garland to Indra, who put it on his favorite elephant. But the elephant took it off and threw it on the ground, thus angering Durvasa, who cursed Indra, that he would lose his Shri, or Lakshmi. Indeed, as soon as these words were spoken, all the pleasure and enjoyment of the heavens were gone. The world became an empty, dark place in which there was no joy, and nothing would grow. Indra was in trouble. After some time, Vishnu told him the only solution was to churn the ocean of milk. Remember that story, because here it is again from which Lakshmi would once again appear. And so they did, Lakshmi returning, asking Indra what boon he wanted, to which he replied that he wanted Lakshmi never to turn away from this world again, to which she agreed. The story is told in a different form in the Rig Veda, when Indra played a more prominent role as the king of the gods. When Lakshmi would sit down next to him, rain would pour down on earth, the cows would give good milk, and prosperity would be enjoyed by all. It says in the old texts that Vishnu designates one as a king, but that kings cannot rule without the blessings of Lakshmi in which she confers on the king 
her own royal power and prosperity. Whenever Lakshmi's blessings desert a ruler, their downfall cannot be far behind. And our most recent election is somewhat proof of this, in which prosperity, Lakshmi, was lost, and the ruler, therefore, lost his throne. So this week, we're going to listen to three selections. First of all, Lakshmi Stuti and Lan Lakshmi Ashtakam, both written by Indra, and then Sri Suktam from the Rig Veda. They are all wonderfully light and melodic, as would be appropriate for Lakshmi. And then that'll be all for this week. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
మా పుత్రాన్ మా సుహృద్వర్గాన్ మా పశూన్ మా విభూషణం
ಇಂದ್ರೌವಾಚ ನಮಸ್ತೆಸ್ತು ಮಹಾಮಾಯೆ ಶ್ರೀಪೀಠೆ ಸುರಪೂಜಿತೆ ಶಂಖಚಕ್ರಗದಾಹಸ್ತೆ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಗರುಡಾರೂಢೆ ಕೋಲಾಸುರ ಭಯಂಕರೀ ಸರ್ವಪಾಪಹರೇ ದೇವಿ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ಸರ್ವಜ್ಞೆ ಸರ್ವರದೆ ಸರ್ವದುಷ್ಟ ಭಯಂಕರೀ ಸರ್ವದುಃಖಹರೇ ದೇವಿ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ಸಿದ್ಧಿಬುದ್ಧಿಪ್ರದೇ ದೇವಿ ಭುಕ್ತಿ ಮುಕ್ತಿ ಪ್ರದಾಯಿನೀ ಮಂತ್ರಮೂರ್ತೆ ಸದಾ ದೇವಿ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ಆದ್ಯಂತರಹಿತೇ ದೇವಿ ಆದ್ಯಶಕ್ತಿ ಮಹೇಶ್ವರಿ ಯೋಗ ಜೇ ಯೋಗ ಸಂಭೂತೆ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತು 
ಸ್ಥೂಲಸೂಕ್ಷ್ಮಹಾರೌದ್ರೇ ಮಹಾಶಕ್ತಿ ಮಹೋದರೇ ಮಹಾಪಾಪಹರೇ ದೇವಿ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ಪದ್ಮಾಸನಸ್ಥಿತೆ ದೇವಿ ಪರಬ್ರಹ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣಿ ಪರಮೇಶೀ ಜಗನ್ಮಾತ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ಶ್ವೇತಾಂಬರಧರೇ ದೇವಿ ನಾನಾಲಂಕಾರಭೂಷಿತೆ ಜಗತ್ಸ್ಥಿತೆ ಜಗನ್ಮಾತ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀ ನಮೋಸ್ತುತೆ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮ್ಯಷ್ಟಕಂ ಸ್ತೋತ್ರ ಯಕ್ತಿಮಾನ್ನರ ಸರ್ವಸಿಮವಾಪ್ನೋತಿ ರಾಜ್ಯಂ ಪ್ರಾಪ್ನೋತಿ ಸರ್ವಕಾಲೇ ಪಠೇ ನಿತ್ಯ ಮಹಾಪಾಪವಿಶನ ದ್ವಿಕಾಲಂ ಯಠೇ ನಿತ್ಯ ಧನಧಾನ್ಯ ಸಮನ್ವಿತ್ರಿಕಾಲಂ ಯಠೇ ನಿತ್ಯ ಮಹಾಶತ್ರುವಿಶನ ಮಹಾಲಕ್ಷ್ಮೀರ್ಭವೇ ನಿತ್ಯ ಪ್ರಸನ್ನ ವರದಾಶುಭ ಶ್ರೀಸೂಕ್ತ ಪಿಂಗಲಾಂ ಪದ್ಮಿನೀ 
ಚಂದ್ರಾಂಭಿರಣ್ಯಂ ಪ್ರಭೋದಂಗಾ ಬೋಧಾ ಸ್ವಸ್ಥಾನೇ ವಿಂದೇಯಂ ಪುರುಷ